Welcome back to Breakdown. We discussed the SEC and Big Ten, two dominant conference in the collegiate sport world. <clears throat> my name is Joe McClure, with me today is my son. I'm JJ McClure. And, um, yeah. Today we're going to discuss the, uh, we're going to review the NCAA tournament, Sweet 16. Uh, we're going to review the e Elite Eight, and then we're going to preview the Final Four. Uh, we're focusing on Big Ten and SEC schools. Uh, in the Sweet 16, there were three games involving those schools. There was Michigan versus Florida State, Arkansas versus Oral Roberts, and Alabama versus UCLA. Uh, the Michigan-Florida State game we will do first. Dead score, Michigan won 76-58. JJ, what about, that, what about that game? What about what Michigan did impress you in that game? What did Michigan do that impressed you in that game? Um, <clears throat> yeah, that was, a, that was a good game for Michigan. They won by almost 20. Um, they were very, very effective getting what they wanted at the rim. Michigan, I think maybe I think they scored one three pointer in the second half. Maybe it was two, but they got everything that they wanted at the rim, and um, that was a very athletic team that they went up against. And that was one of the criticisms in the Big Ten that you know Big Ten had the skill and they might have the brawn and the size, but they lacked the athleticism. But Michigan proved that they could could do that, and I think um, the play of their two. Two uh, wings, uh, Brennan Johns and uh, Franz Wagner. I think they they had fourteen points and thirteen points, respectively, against Florida State. Um, Hunter Dickinson also added fourteen. It was a very balanced attack, and <clears throat> uh, Johns and Franz Wagner did a very excellent job of scoring. Uh, Franz had five assists. Um, John's got to the to the line uh, frequently, so that was impressive. Okay, that was a Big Ten school. Michigan moving on from the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, go to the South Southeast Conference now. Arkansas versus Oral Roberts. Was this Arkansas won seventy two to seventy? Was this a lucky win for Arkansas? <clears throat> In a lot of ways, it was, but. And I would say in more ways, the right team won, the better team won. Um, they were not as effective against Oral Roberts as they had been the previous time that they met in 2020. Uh, they only shot 38%. Um, they didn't even shoot 38%. They shot a little less than 38% from the rim. They only had 11 rebounding advantage, uh, whereas the last time they played Oral Roberts, they had a 26 point or 26 rebound adva rebounding advantage. Um, they, were, they shot 11% from three. And... Um, yeah, they did shoot 87% from the free throw line, so. Okay. Uh, that sent Arkansas on to the Elite Eight from the Sweet 16. Uh, the next and last team from these two conferences to, to compete in the Sweet 16 would have been Alabama versus UCLA. And UCLA won at 78-88 to 88 in overtime. JJ, if these two teams were to play five times, who would win the most games? Um, well, 
you did take win the overtime, which showed it was very evenly matched. I would go with Alabama if they played five times. Okay. I just want to say uh, on the free throws in that game, Alabama, the both, both teams shot the same number of free throws. They both shot 25. Alabama made 11, and UCLA made 20. So Alabama shot 44% from the free throw line as a team, and uh, UCLA shot 80. And Alabama shot a, a, a reasonable free throw percentage in that game. It probably never would have gone to overtime. So they can only blame themselves for that loss from my perspective. So that, go ahead and say something. Oh, I just, I just remember reading something that where Alabama missed the most free throws of, of a team that took that many um, in the past 10 years. It, it looked like it in the game. I don't know what it was, but it, it, did, it did not look good for Alabama when it came to free throw. Uh, so that's a review of the Sweet 16. Uh, two wins, one losses for both conferences. Moving on to the Elite Eight, there were uh, two teams, one from the SEC, one from the uh, Big Ten. Uh, Big Ten pitted Michigan against UCLA. Uh, there was a game that UCLA won, 51-45. to 40, JJ, give me your take on that game. I think that was a game... Um that proved Isaiah Livers' worth. I think that was a game where he would have been very effective. Johnny Juzang uh, had 27, 28 points. I can't remember exactly, but I know he had over 55% of UCLA's scoring output in that game. And I think um, our, our best stopper, or Michigan's best stopper in Isaiah Livers, would have been very, very effective. Um, that was also a game where, which was Franz Wagner's worst game in a Michigan uniform, and he had he picked a very an opportune time to have that. He was one. He only made one shot. I think he was one for eleven, but he might have only been. He might have been one for nine. I don't know. But he. I know he wasn't. He didn't make multiple shots, and he turned the ball over very often. Speaking of turnovers, Hunter Dickinson turned the ball over. Uh, I think it exposed Mike Smith. I think that was just a game that was. Um, it was a very good defensive struggle. But other than that, it was. Well, one thing I will say about UCLA, they beat the Big Tens. Uh, leader mm-hmm. in Michigan. They beat the SEC's best team in the SEC in Alabama, uh, as we said earlier. Uh, additionally, UCLA beat Michigan State in overtime. So the UCLA has pretty much run through uh, the SEC and the Big Ten. And congratulations to them for making it to the uh, Final Four game. Uh, Michigan in that game scoring 49 points. Their next uh, previous low point total was 53 in a 53 to 76 loss to Illinois back in on March the 2nd. So that was a, a tough day for Michigan, although it was close. It was yeah. a close game. Uh, the other game in the Elite Eight pitted Arkansas against Baylor, where Baylor won by nine, they won 81 to 72. JJ, what was Arkansas missing that would have enabled them to compete against a team like Baylor? They were missing anyone on earth that could have stopped Davion Mitchell. Um, okay. Yeah, he, to go um, in inter sport, I would say he reminded me of Tyreek Hill and just his ability to create separation at will and the way you had to guard him, you had to account for him at all times. You couldn't. You couldn't just have one person on him. You had to you had to have like the backline defense 
positioned properly to help when when he inevitably blew by um, Devo Davis or whoever was guarding him. Okay. And uh, that was what Arkansas was missing was was um, someone to guard him, but they were also missing uh, their best player Moses Moody. They've been missing him for the most of the tournament, and he and he hasn't stepped up in a while. And, and Justin Smith and and him didn't have great games the past two couple of games. So I concur. Another thing that stood out in that game to me was the uh, three point shooting. Uh, Baylor took fifteen; they made eight of them. That's a fifty three percent from the from the three point line. Arkansas took 11, they made three, that's a 27%. Uh, but basically, Arkansas was outclassed in this game. Uh, I think it was evident that they were outclassed, and Baylor has some awesome guards, uh, awesome guards. Speaking of Arkansas, I, I just heard that today one of their players is entered the transfer transfer portal. And one day in the near future, we are going to do a podcast and highlight some of the uh, some of the aspects of the trans transfers, uh, how they've impacted college basketball. So stay tuned for that. I was hoping to get to it today, but that won't happen today, but soon. In the meantime, you will be missed Desi Sills, uh, Jonesboro's finest. So you'll be missing Fayetteville. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes. Uh, JJ. Now let us move on to the uh, to the final four. We're gonna preview the final four uh, quickly. Can you tell me how many former SEC players are gonna be in the final four this year? <clears throat> oh well, there's gonna be a few. UCLA's best player. You uh, played at Kentucky last year. He actually didn't play that often. That's why he's now UCLA's best player. Um, let me think. I know Baylor has a transfer, Davion Mitchell, for example. Yes, he's from Auburn. Yeah, there's also Reggie Cheney from Arkansas. I know that. And um, okay, so we got three SEC players. Uh, well, okay, go ahead. Oh, I, I thought. Oh, so that's just in this game specifically, or in, in the, the final four? Oh, okay, well, we also have Andrew Nimhard from uh, Gonzaga. Oh, where did he go to school? He played Fire. at Florida last year. Oh, man. Very, very good. So there's that's a impressive slate. We could take those four players, put them together, and grab one other guy, and we'd have a pretty decent team. Uh, but that's the way it is. The transfer portal is, is a very key to yeah, basketball. Yeah, they all are starters at their at their current school. So, yeah. Yeah. And they're, and they're all in the final four. So Very good. So, uh now that we're down to the Final Four, there is no Big Ten, no Big Ten teams, and there is no SEC teams. Both conference lost its remaining long team in the Elite Eight that we went over before. When Arkansas lost to Baylor, and Michigan lost to UCLA, that knocked the SEC and the Big Ten out of the uh, the Final Four. For the tournament, the Big Ten went nine. I'm sorry, went eight and nine. The SEC for the tournament went seven and six. Uh, the Big Ten had eight wins from nine teams. The SEC had seven wins from uh, from sixteen. Uh, 
in 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 retrospect, JJ reviewing the uh, reviewing the the competition, the games, and all. Which what letter grade do you assign the SEC for its play in this tournament? I'd give them a solid B. Um, relative to expectations, I'd say that they exceeded them marginally. Marginally, okay. Yes. Okay, then what letter grade do you give the uh, Big Ten for its play in the tournament? Give them a D minus. Can you say that again? I, I I cannot believe you really would think that they would be a D minus. They, they sent nine teams to the tournament. Oh, I, th- I thought we were talking tournament performance, not regular season performance. Well, we are talking tournament. Okay, so I'll give them a D minus for their tournament performance. Okay, they were barely under five hundred. How, how many Big Ten teams were in the Sweet Sixteen? One. Yeah, you oh. send nine teams. Um, you, in in what half of those half of those seeds were one or two seeds. Half of those teams, so you should probably you're one or two seeds by def, by you know by definition are expected to make it to the lead eight. They are favored in in the games against. Yeah, I will agree. I I I I I will agree. It's it's tough to give a give yeah. A what D grade? Would, what grade would you give them? If you, I'd probably give them a D. Okay. Okay. So yours, you you give them a slight better. Yeah, a D minus is pretty bad, man. Okay. Okay. Speaking of the Final Four, there is two one seed, one two seed, and one eleven seed. What's wrong with that picture? Nothing's wrong with it. That's college basketball. Okay, I I agree with that. It's odd though that you know. One, two, one, one, two, and 11. Uh, UCLA barely made the tournament. They had to do a, they call a play-in or first-in game or whatever they call it. I can't remember the name of it. They got there. They won. Uh, how impressive has UCLA been to you, for you? UCLA has been incredibly impressive. Um, they went from the first four to the final four, and I would never have anticipated this. I mean, they're, they're projected to be a top five team next year. Um, but, yeah, they have a lot. All their contributors are underclassmen and, you know, led by Johnny Juzang. But, you know. Well, but let, me, let me interrupt you for a moment because what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask you to give me a scouting report of the four teams that are remaining uh, in the tournament. And I will let you begin with any team you want to begin with. Well, since I'm talking about UCLA, uh, I'll continue with UCLA. Um, well, yeah, Johnny Juzang has, is their leading scorer in the regular season. He's um, up his scoring in the postseason. He's been playing on a bad ankle, but it hasn't seemed to affect him. He's been, you know, consistently averaging 25 to 30 or putting up numbers like that. And he's a, you know, sophomore from California by way of Kentucky last year. Tiger Campbell's a sophomore from uh, Des Moines, Iowa. He's their point guard. He's their setup man. Um, the one with the heavy hair. Uh, yeah, you, <laughs> you can't. You don't. You don't miss. You don't. You don't miss Tiger Campbell when you, you see him. The nickname is kind of self evident. I don't even know if that's why, but I'm gonna assume it's because his hair looks like a mane. That's how how you have the name Tiger. Um, but yeah, Jules Bernard is not a snipe shooter. Uh, a sharp shooter. 
um, sniper from three. He averages, uh, he shoots like 39%. Uh, same thing as Jamie Jaquez. He's there, uh, do everything, um, you know, from garbage man, versatile forward. But he's, he can shoot it from deep, too. He can really shoot it. He's he's an irritant on defense, but he, he shoots 39% from three as well. Um, they just have a really great shooting team, and that's how they beat you. Uh, Mick Cronin, he's a guy from Big Ten country. He's from Cincinnati. He coached at Cincinnati the past uh, eight, nine years. And um, before, well, this is his second year in UCLA. He's made it to the, to the tournament. Um, obviously, no one made the tournament last year, but the uh, the previous eight, nine tournaments, he's he was doing that for, for Cincinnati. And though not a Big Ten school, it's in a Big Ten footprint area, and he has he plays with a Big Ten style. Okay. It's not super flashy, um, but they they have shooters. They really do. Okay, their game against Michigan was extremely low scoring. Uh, I would take some of that to be Michigan's lack of shooting. But uh, how good of defense do they play? Can how, how, can they slow Gonzaga down? Yeah, I mean they they play excellent defense. Uh, Jack has is their best uh, defender, but. Everyone can really guard their man for the most part, with the exception of um, Johnny Juzang. He's not the best one-on-one defender or team defender, but he's still 6'6", and he, 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 he tries, and he gives effort. <laughs> okay. So moving on to your next team, we got UCLA broken down. Who's going to break down next? Okay, well, they're playing against Gonzaga. Um, okay. That's the easiest team to break down. They have... Top five pick at point guard. And um, Jalen Suggs. Okay. He's a freshman from Minnesota. He's um he's the guy that they go to whenever they need a basket because no one can really stay in front of him. He has that type of explosiveness and speed. Jalen Suggs is the highest recruit ever to attend Gonzaga, correct? Or wrong? For now, yeah. Okay. Go ahead with your breakdown, I'm sorry. Um they also have uh, Joel Ayai, um, he's another guard, uh, wingman. He's probably the least renowned member of the starting five, um, as Corey Kispert, uh, Drew Timmy, and uh, Jalen Suggs have all made some form of All-American first, second, third, or honorable mention team. So And, and Andrew Nimhard was a five-star coming out of high school, transfer from Florida. We've already talked about him. But Joel Joliai uh, rounds out that quintet, and um, he does he fills in between the gaps. Corey Kispert is their sniper. He's their he's the shooter that worked himself into a first round draft pick. Um, Drew Timmy he's uh, a collegiate wonder. I don't know if his game uh, translates to the next level, but he cannot be stopped as it appears on the on the college level. So he just has a bag full of post moves that he can go to at any given time and okay. you know, more athletic players can't really do anything with him. Okay, Gonzaga, of the team playing in the Final Four, Gonzaga's the only team that did not play a Big Ten or SEC team during the uh, tournament. Uh, so we got Gonzaga and UCLA broken down. Keep, keep that in mind because later on I'm going to ask you to pick the winner between that game. But now we move on to the Houston Baylor matchup. Give me a breakdown. Um, that is not 
gonna be the pick a t- what? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, what were you about to say? No, no. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh well, that that is not gonna be the most uh, similar of matchups. You have one team that has a bunch of guards in in Baylor that play aesthetically pleasing basketball. A lot of guys that can score it. Um, you have um, Macy Oteague and. Uh, Jared Butler, the the first team All American, and Davion Mitchell, the you know, they they remind me of Villanova's guards or Illinois' guards um, from two, Illinois from two thousand five or Villanova from, I think I believe two thousand seven. Uh, just those three guard, four guard lineups where anyone can, anyone can score. They just whoever has the third best defender, you just pass the ball around and give the ball to him, and that that's the guy that's gonna have a hot night. Um, that's what Baylor reminds me of, and they also have uh, a lot of talent off the bench. and And Matt Meyer, um, he's a highly talented recruit, six nine, versatile forward that can shoot it or put it on the floor. Um, they play a very aesthetically pleasing game, uh, a brand of basketball. And Houston does not. They shoot. They don't shoot it very well from the three. Outside of Quentin Grimes, he's 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 their uh, he's their best offensive player. He's their leading scorer. He's the transfer from Kansas. In his junior season, um, he's their co best player. Uh, Dijon uh, Giroux is um, their their best player on defense, and he's he's the backcourt man. He's he's a Pat Beverly clone, except for a little bit taller. I love Pat Beverly. Former <laughs> Razorback, yeah. yes sir. Um, so he's their best. He's their best player on defense, but they they get it done by rebounding and offensive rebounding. They figure if they don't get a good shot, they don't have great shooters on the first attempt, uh, they'll create good shots via offensive rebounding. And it's worked in their in their league and in their in their conference. And I to to my uh your earlier point, I have um picked against them a little bit and uh haven't always believed in them. So I've obviously had a been been a bit of a skeptic as it pertains to their conference, but I mean, Memphis won the NIT, so apparently the American Conference is is better than I've been given the credit for. Okay, so they could possibly win the uh, NCAA tournament and the NIT. Time will tell. Okay, champions. after breaking down the four teams, uh, hypothetically, uh, if you could pick any five players from these four teams to create your own team. Who would you pick? And tell me the school that they're from. Tell me, give me the player in the school. Um. Okay. So, uh, all star team from any any of the final four teams. Okay. Well, I'll obviously pick. And give me the position as well. At point guard, I'll take Jalen Suggs. Okay. From. From Gonzaga. Okay. He would be my first pick. Uh, at shooting guard, I would take Davion Mitchell from Baylor. Okay. To man the three, to man the three, I would take Johnny Juzang from UCLA. Johnny J. Okay. Um, at at the center position, I would take Drew Timmy from Gonzaga, and just to be a little different, at the other forward position, I would take Matt Meyer from Baylor. You left Houston out of the in the cold. Well, I'm consistent, if nothing else. <laughs> Okay, so Baylor got two players, Gonzaga got two, UCLA got one, Baylor got none. Interesting. Baylor has one. Oh, I'm sorry. Houston has none. That's my bad. I forgot. The shooting guard. 
It's from Baylor. Yeah. But Houston has none. My bad. And, you know, apologies to Jerome and to uh, Quentin Grimes, but okay, I like scoring. I like offense. Back really quickly to the, uh, to the Big Ten. Uh, John Beeline took two teams to the national championship games. Uh, in 2013, his team that consisted of Trey Burke, Nick Starkus, Glenn Robinson III, Tim Hardaway, Mitch McGarry, Spike Albert, Karis LeVert. That was Beeline's 13th team. He, had, uh, he went to the championship game again in 2018 where he had Xavier Simpson, Mohammed Ali Abdul Rahman, Mo Wagner, Charles Matthews. Uh, tell me, and does, Jordan Poole, Duncan Robinson. No okay, forget them. Okay, okay, they're they're also around now. Tell me, and Isaiah Isaiah Livers was on that team as well. Yes, he as so is Eli Brooks. That's true. Tell me this: Is Jawan Howard's team? As good as the 13 and 18 teams that John Beeline had. Well, by results, uh, absolutely not. They made it to the championship game. He made it to the Elite Eight. Okay, so they won two games more. Okay. Yeah. Um, but by, by uh, quality, by, by, by individual talent, how, how would you rate it? Well, the 2013 team is not even close. Absolutely not. The 2013 team had, I think, six or seven first-round picks on that team. Um. Nick Stauskas uh, was one. Glenn Robinson the third was a second round pick, so he does not count. Karis LeVert, Nick Stauskas, Trey Burke, um, Mitch Robinson. McGarry. Glenn Robinson was not a first rounder. He went okay. second round. He went 40th, I believe. But Hardaway? Oh, Hardaway. He was a first rounder. So there's, okay. there's fed five first rounders for sure. Okay, so the 13 team was more talented than this one. Is this team... How does this team compare with the uh, the latest the 2018 team that went to play for the national championship game? That team only had two first-rounders in Jordan Poole and Mo Wagner. Um, and I think that they compare a lot better, especially had Isaiah Livers played. Um, I, I, I would take senior year Isaiah Livers and senior year Eli Brooks over their freshman counterparts. But um, Charles Matthews probably would have gotten drafted, maybe not in the first round, but he probably would have gotten drafted had he not tore his ACL um, during a workout. Um, the year he entered the draft. But uh, Duncan Robinson is making himself a lot of money right now, um, shooting his way through Miami um, as a starter for the Miami Heat. You saw him in the NBA Finals. And, uh, you know, Jordan Poole is starting for the Golden State Warriors right now. And Mo Wagner, um, he, I think he's, he's a Celtic now. He's He went, got traded a couple times. But they have, they have a couple of first-rounders on that team. I think Michigan will have... At least one in um, Franz Wagner. And I think Isaiah Livers will play in the NBA for a while if he can stay healthy. Um, so, and Arnold, Hunter Dickinson, yeah. yeah, Hunter Dickinson obviously was the uh, the All American and the um, Wooden Award candidate. So, I think that they have, they're, they're somewhat comparable, but without Isaiah Livers, I would give the, the edge to the 2018 team. But with Isaiah Livers, I would, you know, I'd probably. I still give it the edge to the twenty eighteen team just because I, I like Isaiah. Uh, I mean, not, not Xavier. I like Xavier Simpson better than um, 
Mike Smith at the point guard. I think that's the deciding factor. Okay, okay. Well, we're getting close to wrap this up, wrapping this up. We got about three or four more minutes. I'm going to ask you some questions uh, really quickly if I can. Number one, uh, if this were a three and out tournament, the final four, if it was a three, I mean a three out of five tournament rather than a one and done tournament, which team would benefit most from a three out of five? Well, yeah, the larger the sample size, that favors the best team, and that is Gonzaga. Okay, okay. Uh, which team, which of the four teams has the best playmaker? UCLA, Houston, Baylor, Gonzaga? I think it's a toss-up between Gonzaga and Baylor. Okay, who are they? Jalen Suggs and um, Davion Mitchell. Okay, Suggs is a freshman. Oh, what class is Mitchell? He's a junior. He's a junior, okay. Um, or maybe a sophomore. I can't remember. He transferred from Auburn, so. Okay. Uh, which team has the most dominant big man? <sighs> Gonzaga. Okay, so Gonzaga has the most dominant big man. They had they tied with the best playmaker. Yeah, I mean, offensively, they I believe Ken Palm has them as the historically historically greatest off team in in the history. Say it again. In the history of Ken in the Ken Palm era, um, college basketball. Uh, analytics website it's their it's like the go-to reference point i think they have the best offense the best two-point offense in the history of, of the kenbaum era gonzaga does yes yeah, so they okay. yeah okay uh which team has the most underappreciated starter and who is it well, that was at absolutely gonzaga and that's either joel ayayi or andrew nimhard i would give the edge to to joel JJ, it sounds like you're making a Gonzaga commercial or something. Every question I ask you is Gonzaga. Is Gonzaga that good? Uh, relative to the field, yeah. Okay, okay. Although Butler has always been closer to being in Gonzaga's category, I think, than, than everyone else's. Um, and I think that they've you know done a good job of living up to their expectations as well. I mean, I said Baylor. I mean, I, I, okay, I, you said Butler. I was about that. Jared you. Butler of Baylor. Um, yeah, sorry to conflate that. I meant Baylor. Baylor has lived up to their expectations as well. I mean, okay. they had a slight dip coming from a COVID um, recess. But other than that, they've been phenomenal too. I'm interested in, in, in the play Saturday. The first game on Saturday, uh, I, you know, I can't remember, was it with Houston Baylor or... I think it's Houston Baylor. I'm gonna say Houston Baylor. They're the almost five something, almost six o'clock game. Who you got in that game? Houston and Baylor. I have Baylor. Uh, will it be a fun game to watch? Um, if Houston makes it close, it will absolutely not be. Uh, but also, if but Houston doesn't make it, close, well, because the only way Houston can win is by mucking it up and making it an ugly game. Okay, I let me go back. Will it be a fun game to watch? I'm confused. Uh, and my point is Houston does not make f- for fun games based on the way that they play. Okay. That's that, what I, uh, okay. That, 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 that explains that. So it's kind of a catch-22 was, was, was kind of like my point because um, if be Baylor's a- executing on all cylinders, Houston won't be able to compete and there'll be a blowout. And if Houston is doing what they need to do to win, it's going to be a mud-slinging game and they're going to, you know... Get physical with Baylor, kind okay. of like the Seattle Seahawks secondary back when the uh, the days of the um, what would they call it? Richard Sherman. What was that? What was the name for the 
their nickname? I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know. Well, the, the, the final game on Saturday, UCLA and Gonzaga. If UCLA plays its very best game of the year, how badly do they beat Gonzaga? Um, they'll win a close game in overtime or like, like they did against Michigan State or it'll be a two-point game in regulation like they did against Michigan. If they played their absolute best game and they're firing on all cylinders. Or overtime against Alabama. Yeah, I mean they they play can they they can play up to their competition, but only so much. They they never really dominated. The so if Gonzaga plays its very best game of the year, and UCLA plays its normal game, will I still be watching it after halftime? Uh, you can if you want to, but I I wouldn't. I would not. Okay, so you got Baylor going up against Gonzaga, number yeah. one against number one. Yes, and the Legion of Boom was the nickname I was thinking of, just for my own sanity. Sorry. Okay, well, back to this Final Four. Uh, next Monday, JJ has Baylor against Gonzaga. Give you got sixty seconds. Tell me about that game. What you expect and how it will end? No, that'd be a, an aesthetically pleasing national championship game. I think um, both teams would score. Very well. I mean, they're both good defensive teams, but I just don't think either one would be equipped to stop one or another. I don't know how. I don't know who stops Jalen Suggs. I don't know who stops Davion Mitchell. I haven't really seen anybody do do any of that. But also, you have Macy Oteague, Jared Butler. Okay, make sure you put some school names to some of these players because everybody Baylor. don't know everybody. Well, if you've been listening to the podcast, the same people I've mentioned. But um, yeah. Just this episode, sorry. Um, it, you just have a, a great cast of 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 uh, players on each side. A lot of talent. Will this go down as one of the uh, best championship games ever? My best that I ever saw was Duke against uh, UNLV years ago. Should I expect this to be a great game? I would imagine it would be an all-timer. I can't even think off the top of my head what the best championship game I've seen in his book. Okay. Well, we're going to get ready to wrap it up, but I'm going to backtrack. The best championship game I ever saw was it was Duke, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't when Duke played UNLV, the running rap. It was when they played my homies from Arkansas, Woolpig Suey. That was my best ever uh, championship game. So, we're getting ready to wrap it up. What's your closing words? I have no closing words except for I'm just going to go with Illinois and North Carolina is probably the best one I can remember off the top of my head. Okay. Hey, well, this is a wrap. You've been listening to Breakdown, SEC versus Big Ten. We're going to be doing some more regarding the, uh, the NFL draft soon. But prior to the draft, we're going to get into basketball one last time, I'm sure, and focus a lot on transfers. It's a lot of transfers making the world go around right now. See you all next time. Peace. Mr. Jackson. <laughs>